The following is a conversation with Yelishowere. He's an human activist, the founder of Sarah Reporters and an ex-presidential candidate, both hope and disparance to his health. I find him fascinating because I know it is an everybody to actually carry when you want some something good for your country and we have people trying to make you quit or, or you can't actually get the help you need. It's a very heavy burden to carry, especially when you've been in jail. He's been in jail for more times than I can actually count. He's been in jail since he was in his early 20s and he was accused when he was in uh, in the service year that he wanted to overthrow the government at his, in the service year. <laughs> That's an heavy burden to carry. For those who are not aware, this podcast is about exploring culture and develop and its relationship to developmental growth in Nigeria. Uh, if you find the talk fascinating, subscribe on YouTube, and that is very important. Please subscribe on YouTube, uh, give me a thumbs up uh, on Spotify, connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at ParanormalDBK. And if you want to gain gain access to the videos from the investigation, that uh, we we've been we've been exploring uh, exploring. The, the belief in the supernatural. If you want to gain a, get access to the video, subscribe on, on Patreon. The video has been uploaded on, on Patreon for patrons, for those who are actually donating. And I want to say thank you, each thank you to those who, who supported this podcast, you know, who got this podcast to the stage it is right now. I am not I am because of you. I'm doing all this because of you. And I, I, I and, and, and you guys actually rock, you know, because it is very difficult at the, at the very start, to want to start up something like this, I'm very grateful for all, all you've done. Connect with me on Instagram, subscribe on Twitter. And now, here's my conversation with Yele Showere. What was your journey like uh, since you joined politics? Uh, as in like, well, I have uh, 30 years of political experience, starting as a student activist. In one of the most hated political periods in Nigeria, uh, that was uh, around 1993. Because I started in 1989 as a student activist and became what you call a student leader, heading the Sudan Union government by 1992. And by 1993, a major political crisis, which was the enormous of uh, the June 12th election, to take place and we were at the forefront of that uh, fighting for restoration of democracy and uh, fighting for an end to military rule so that uh, led to a lot of uh, political experiences both on campus and outside campus it also led to a lot of very bitter experiences because I was uh, detained several times. I was expelled from the university twice. You didn't graduate at Inilag. But, uh, but I was expelled uh, twice before we eventually fought back and uh, I graduated. And when I left Inilag, I went to do my NYC. And at the NYC, I completed the NYC. The day I completed my NYC, that's the National Youth um, Service Corps. I was arrested and detained by between the DSS and the Air Force Intelligence for uh, they accused me of uh, planning to overthrow the government. 
but didn't take me to court. They just detained me for about a week. And I left Yola having completed my NYC without an NYC certificate. Yeah. So to date, I was never given an NYC certificate. Uh, uh, I, I thought uh, serving the nation is actually a requirement. Like you serve the, you serve the nation, but like, you know, like the, the recognized standard, you know, like it's either you actually served in the military or, or as an, uh, as a serv- in the service corps as a graduate, you know. Isn't isn't that uh, an objective standard or 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 is it is this still required? You know, like oh, I, I'm required to serve serve the after graduating yeah. from the university. Yeah, and if you are below the age of thirty, yeah, I have completed that requirement. Okay, but they are required to give me a certificate. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. not. They haven't recognized. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah, all right. That is true. That yeah. is true. Okay. Uh, I I watched a, a an interview of yours on 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 the internet, like channels on channels, and you were talking about your experiences abroad, how how you weren't able to actually connect connect emotionally with with being being in the. You said uh, uh you know you 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 feel like an immigrant, you know. I've I've you know I've I've on several occasions also had the the uh chance to actually leave the Nigeria, leave the country, and you know. Um, but I never took it because of your your worries also of of your. Uh, can you, can you talk about can you talk about uh, uh uh your inability you know your inability to actually connect to the environment you know to the to be, to staying in the US you know, and actually living there you know with, by and leaving your country behind to actually rot the way it's working out. I think it's a personal experience and then it's an experience that comes with probably being an activist. You just want to be on the front lines all the time. When you hear stories about things going wrong in the country, there's always a part of you that feels maybe if I was on the ground, I could have uh, made things better. Or you feel like a coward for leaving everybody behind and you know uh, staying in a part of the world where you have relative comfort. Yeah. So that's that's what I that's what I was uh, trying to ex- you know, explain in that interview that you saw. That uh, I spent twenty years in the U.S. and made a trip of about a month home uh, every year. And each time I had to leave, it was painful. But I also had family in the U.S. I had a wife, and I had children. So. It's always a struggle. Uh, you get there, you're excited about leaving Nigeria behind, but after a while, then what? Yeah, yeah, then what? What do you, what do you say to a lot of people, you know? Uh, occasionally, you see an hashtag trending about, you know, Nigeria has left you behind, or about some, about a lot of people, a lot of youth these days, you know, a lot of people my age actually wants to actually leave and actually never come back. What do you say to that, you know? Well, uh, they're entitled to migrate to wherever they want and to have a life of comfort is a fundamental right uh, that nobody should be born to suffer. And that's what Nigeria represents for generations now. You are born here, you know, you can't get proper medical care, you are not vaccinated at birth. And you keep getting sick. You go to schools that don't provide real education. You just struggle your entire life. Uh, and then if an opportunity opens up, 
where based on what you have heard or seen in movies or television uh you feel like life could be better naturally you migrate there uh so there's no crime in that white people migrated towards africa in such a better life uh at a particular time and they still do now stylishly uh they migrate even for sex to the gambia yeah 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 yeah. so uh they migrate to get resources on the continent of africa so as to build a home base that will make life relatively uh better for them and happy but nigerians unfortunately haven't uh, had that and when young people express to you that they want to leave to go find something better for themselves especially at their formative age you can't quarrel with that you can't you can't just dismiss that but you also will get to a point after doing all of that you will hit the ceiling uh and discover that you just you know east or west as they say home is the best so you could lose your formative age in search of better life elsewhere and having to build societies elsewhere whereas you could also stay back fight and make your own society better and retire happily in it without changing your dna you know i usually would say that cold weather for example you know would change your dna yeah, in a way <laughs> like it makes like that yeah, yeah. In, not even lighter uh your mood for example for six months most people undergo depression in the u.s because of winter and then the culture is different the food is different yeah, you, you can't go out there and actually buy granny but just it's, like that so oh. there's a lot of things that you just not you're not wired for out there and when you exhaust that latitude, that bandwidth of excitement, you know, that time, oh, I'm in the U.S., you know, probably I'll give you 10 years. And then you start realizing that, wow, this is not what I was told. Then it's too late, you know. Okay, let's talk about Sarah Reporters, you know, like, I have been for preparing for this interview. I've been I've been following the accounts and, and, uh, and actually been looking at a lot of truths, you know. I, w- I would call them truths, you know. I don't know. I don't know where are them, but you actually see the consistency of 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 those actually looking and seeking to actually uh, diminish the effort of 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 of, of, of the platform and uh, of the, you know, you, you hear a lot of people. You see, you see them, you know, like you know, always there, always there. They're always consistent, you know, and and they are not like they do something else on Twitter. They're just there, you know. What what do you say to you know to the effort, you know, and and a lot of people online feel skeptical and i know the few the few some you know just feel like you know it is not being straightforward enough you know uh, and i know i know the effort actually takes effort actually takes to actually be a forefront of something like that can you talk about sarah reporters well your question is you know people who go on sarah reporter platforms yeah to try to, and to diminish, diminish yeah, yeah or delegitimize, delegitimize their work. it's not new sarah reporters uh i started sarah reporters in 2006 yeah and from the day we started till this day it is has always been like that wow. reason is that it was a media platform that came you know, to disrupt the media space. Yes. It came to do business the way it's never been done before. It's a media 
platform for activists, non-conformists, a media platform that has decided that it will not take into account those things that restrict free flow of information. A media platform that is challenging established institutions, both traditional and non-traditional, a media platform that is specifically after powerful people in the public and private sector. You don't expect them to be watching you. Watching you. you uh, Just get away with, you know, taking them down, taking businesses that are shady down, exposing things that have never been exposed before, Mm -hmm. revealing people's credit card information, revealing uh, illnesses of politically exposed persons, revealing their bank accounts, revealing people who have bought jets in other people's names, bought houses in London uh, and elsewhere, revealing people who are keeping their children in foreign schools, paying millions of dollars, whereas, you know, there are public officials who are keeping pens, you know, poetries, and calling them schools here. So you don't expect them to watch. They have the wherewithal to do to permanently put people on a platform. But that platform grows at the expense or in spite of that. I think on Twitter, we have about 3.6 million yeah, followers. Yeah, yeah, it's a um, for a 14-year-old organization that has been you know, attacked left, right, and center, that's not a bad number. It is not. Yes. On uh, Facebook, we have over 3. something million users. In fact, Facebook is restricting... Sahar reporters deliberately. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we probably would have reached 7 million or so by now on Facebook. But they keep throwing all kinds of things at us uh, and threatening to take down the Facebook page because we don't allow them to restrict us in passing on information to the people who are after us. We have over a million people on Instagram, you know, and we don't have to post nude pictures. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It's just pure information, pure information yeah. regarding what is happening politically, both in Nigeria and elsewhere. And the website itself has been there for such a long time. In addition to that, what you call troll is nothing compared to what they do to us. They, they, they have faced personally, and Sarah Reporters has faced over six lawsuits. I mean, I think seven. Not in Nigeria. I can't count the ones in Nigeria. Libel laws, many of them frivolous in the U.S. Wow. Yes, by powerful people, you know, religious leaders, government ministers, powerful lawyers who are involved in shady dealings that were exposed. So I have been physically attacked several times. My detention last year was yeah. not unconnected with Sahara Report. They made it very clear. Yeah. In fact, at the point, they reached out to me that if I could take down Sahara Reporters, they would let me go. So, and I refused and decided to face the consequences of my actions or Sahara Reporters' actions. So, for some reasons, I haven't managed Sahara Reporters for a while because I engaged in partisan politics in 2018. But the platform is still there. So, there is nothing wrong uh, with uh, trolls. (laughs) <laughs> it's a cottage industry that we created for them too so we appreciate that people get something 
from just following Sahara. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's actually From great. doing what they do on the platform. But the platform, I believe, uh, is up to the task and doing what it needs to do on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis, releasing news instantaneously, doing investigative reporting, and challenging power, speaking truth to power. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, why do you think no one is doing anything about about like I I I saw I've I've no I follow Sahara reporters and I I saw a lot of informations you know like you know I've seen a lot of informations reviewed online like the corrupt corrupt officials you know even uh this uh uh IGP of police I think it's the IGP of police in Lagos actually paid a lot of money to actually keep its own seats yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, why why is you know I think why is no one doing anything about that well. How- the people who are supposed to do something about corruption are the people in power. No, they are yeah, the they themselves ones. are corrupt, you know. Yes. No. So, who is going to, for instance, investigate the IG of police who paid money to get tenure extension and actually got upset when he didn't get a year? Yeah, he got about three months or so. He got a three months and in two months, he was kicked out. Mm-hmm. And he did something unusual uh, when he was handing over. He went there, his civilian clothing wow because i think he was so upset about what they did to him probably that's his life savings that was just wow. taken away <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and by the way he sued me for in nabuja here okay uh but did not serve me okay. here in nabuja yeah. he sent a whole police contingent to go to my village you know in those state to paste the lawsuit on my wall wow. on the wall on my, on my father's house uh, my father's uh, house wow yeah that, that's too much that's too extreme how could anyone actually do well, that would, you know bad people who are in charge of government who are powerful and politically connected do extremely bad things mm-hmm. yes yeah. not only did he do that he also had some girlfriend of his in the police okay. who works in the office to try to sue me as well and they're using police money wow. to hire a senior advocate of nigeria to do that you know, these are things that can't happen in sane societies that, in you, society yeah, that you use public funds to execute your own private, private uh, you know, And uh, no one is fights. doing anything about it. No, no. Well, it is up to us to do something about it. Is it is up to us, but yeah. The job of the platform, or yeah. my job as a public conscience, is to put out the information there. Yeah. And it's for the rest of the country to wake up and do something with the information. <laughs> Yeah, which which uh makes me think about your your Andrew, you know, like a revolution now, you know, you know. Uh uh I've I've been thinking about like I almost daily, you know, I've been thinking about how to actually oust these powers, you know. How to oust them oust all of them, you know. I, I don't think it's actually possible at once, but little by little I think it can be done. What do you mean by revolution now? Is it moderate or a kind of radical revolution? What what how would there's no dimension to revolution that does not involve radical change this country has been destroyed by a set of people since it got independence in 1960 uh, the systems put in place are not working the operators of the system are mostly incompetent and corrupt and very inhuman set of people so to introduce revolution and say that it has to be mild, it's just uh, an oxymoron. It's to change the system. I truly believe the system needs to be upturned to give Nigerians a fresh lease of life, 
and to put in place a new set of system or a system that is just fair and um, egalitarian that allows the people of the country to benefit from their resources to have a country where they are not discriminated against killed robbed kidnapped where the children can go to school where they can have electricity uh, where they can find employment where they can drive on safe road or a system that allows for the kind of innovation that can bring prosperity uh uh do you think uh i've uh, i spoke with to a lot of your guys uh, last night uh when i was here and they were like you know they've been like for a long time since they started the revolution now they, they've been progressing peacefully you know well but is that any point in time you know would there be do you think there would ever be a need for violence you know when it comes to the revolution uh the revolution movement you know it is not the intention of revolution now movement that, that to engage in violence, violence. Uh, however uh it is also not our intention to uh back down so what we do which you call peaceful is violence against unjust power is violence against consciousness power so we'll keep we'll keep doing that we'll keep doing violence in our own way yeah. not violence of in the, in armed, resistance. armed resistance nah. yeah. uh, in a way to the system until it crumbles yeah. uh what, what do you say to those those that have you know there are people actually think you know a lot of them political political powers online who actually think nigeria is progressing just fine as long as they are good you know that Nigeria is progressing of uh, progressing just fine. What do you say to do? I don't. I'm not interested in what they think. I'm interested in what the majority of the people who feel that things are not working feel, and how they want to change it. There would always be uh, in the world people who support evil. It doesn't matter where you go. Uh, it happened. That's why they killed six million Jews in Germany because. Companies, individuals, organizations, churches supported Hitler. He is still a hero to some to some people. Yeah, even to today, yeah, a lot of people just still look looks at uh, uh, Hitler and the envy him. You know, yeah. like a lot of people actually look at uh, Barry today still, and, and people still envy him. I actually think that this man is actually a great. A great so man. it's it's natural that some people will uh, be in that uh, category. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a weird question. My mom actually do, do not you know. There is nothing I can actually tell my mom to, for him to actually be, for us to actually believe that Buhari is still alive. You know, <laughs> Laura, what, what do you, what do you think? You know, <laughs> I, don't know. I think people who believe it, are, there are two categories of people in that line of thinking. The first category is those who were made to believe that he died somehow. In 2017, in Saudi Arabia, and I was buried in a shallow grave. Um, those, I would say, fell for propaganda. But there are those who, metaphorically, also are justified to think that because of the way he's behaving, his lack, lack of absence, you know, his dementia, that he's dead. You know, it's just not there. And that is the definition of death. It's the absence of life. Yes, and there's no life in. That's what rock is. 
it's lifeless right now. That's what that's the word. You know, Atom Rock is lifeless right now. You know, let's talk about Barry for a little for a little bit. You know, uh, what uh, do you think he had great intentions while coming in as the president? You know, do you think he had great intentions? And and being drunk on power, you know, being being able to actually appoint a family member of yours into office and and without no, any constraint on his power, do you think he actually got drunk on it? You know, or, no, or he had no great intention? I think Buhari is the person that in Nottingham calls Munafiki. Yeah, Munafiki is I think is an Arabic word for a deceptive person. He he has succeeded in deceiving people for a long time and a lot of people probably got hypnotized by that deceit because it became a national malice at the point um so i think he came to power for the sake of power and to push his his own and his agenda in my view is two one of it is to he believes that he's a religious warrior on the inside. And whatever he can do as an army of God or a general of God, he'll do it. He sees himself as a Mahdi. You know, you can find the meaning of Mahdi. There's only be 12, there will only be 12 people like that. One of them was the guy who led the insurrection against the British. Yeah, Anders Solaswati. And Sudan. Yeah, and his yeah. name is Anders Solaswati. Yes. It's the Mahdi. Mahdi, yeah. Yes. There was another one that came to Nigeria who created the Northern Nigeria in his image as it is today. You know, and that guy is Utmadan Fodio. It's a Mahdi too. Buhari is, in his own mind, a Mahdi. You know, but... As we now know, is a low-budget uh, Madi with none of those characteristics. Uh, but he wants to use everything in government to achieve that. The second aspect of it is completely ethnocentric. Buhari doesn't believe in any ethnicity other than his. He doesn't. Yes. So, and the rest of it, he just wish you guys luck. And the people around him have figured out that he doesn't have the capacity to deliver on the wars that he has created and um, pushed that is dividing and creating confusion in the country. So what a lot of them are doing now is to just grab whatever they can, hoping Nigeria survives. So the level of corruption you are seeing is government. It's like everybody is taking care of themselves. Look at the wife launching a book. I say, what do you think book launch is about? It's like, hey, collect whomever, from whomever you can collect. Who knows what will happen next? And they are probably also aware of things we're not aware of. His health situation is precarious. Yeah, that's that's serious, you know. Uh, how do you think? How do you think we can constrain uh, executive power in Nigeria? You know, like, like, uh, uh, do you think we should implement the two-party system like in the US? Or, no, I don't. Or, or, but how do you? How do we make sure? No matter how it you, is, you, you know, you that keep driving me back. I don't believe in any of the systems. Of course, it has its own problems. Yeah, to create or restrain, you know, something that can restrain power. I believe in a revolution. I believe power as we have it now is corrupted, is dangerous and disastrous. I must be destroyed by the people 
for their own good and for their own survival into the future. Because, you know, look at the judiciary. The judiciary is even more corrupt than the executive. Look at the legislative arm. It is an appendage of the executive. It's a pay-to-legislate system. So it can't, this system can't curb executive rascality. It can't curb judicial corruption. It can't curb the hollowness of the legislative system in a country. You know, but were there to be a revolution, which I'm sure will happen, we won't need a bicameral legislative system. We don't need a Senate made of thieves, you know, doing nothing, who are just going out there extorting money from ministries and imposing contracts on budgetary units in the country or items. That's not what we need. We need a system that is very compact and that we regulate all those people, you know, that that we make, that we hold everyone, every single person yeah. accountable, yeah, including the president. Absolutely. Yeah, that that that's the best, you know. That is very. But it can't happen in any of the existing structures or system we have in place. Today. It's impossible. Uh, yeah. If if we need to, if we uh 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 want to oust, like you know, like actually. Oust Braria and actually make him leave power. How how do you, how do you, how do we do? It? Do we do that through a protest and he will resign, or or we we isolate him from his you know from his power? Those supporting him, those actually you know, uh, uh, gaining from his power and and, and his supporters. You know, how do we do that? You know, how do we make sure like Braria must go? You know, we, it actually implies that Braria has to leave his position before uh before his term ends. You know, before the end of his term. You see, I understand what you are struggling with. You are struggling with tenure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You see, his tenure is only legitimate as long as the people accept it. That's what they are, yeah. So, you cannot put a tenure of suffering on me. You cannot tenure violation of rights. Of You can't tenure hunger, insecurity, darkness you know, uh, sickness in the country. You cannot establish all those things and tell the people in this country that they must remain in those miserable conditions for four years. They are entitled to say we are tired and enough is enough. And whenever they said enough is enough and decide to rise up and work against the system, that is the end of that tenure. That is the end of the tenure of their suffering and the beginning of a new tenor of list of life. That's what we ask for. Uh, yeah, and if you have if you're having problems with that, go to go and find out about what happened in Mali recently. The guy who was kicked out of power in Mali via public anger had two more years to go. But they said no, they don't want. And the military at a point who initially were reluctant and protective of him had to join the masses because it was massive. And then, you know what happened to that guy? He had a stroke after two weeks, and he died, I think, three well, weeks so ago. Yeah, so, so, but the, the, the body has lifted off the chest of the people of Mali. And Mali has not gone to war since then. Mali has had a conversation about their future. 
that happened in Sudan. There's a guy who had a tenor there. So that is what revolutions are about. Egyptian uh, former president. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he had a tenor. Um, was the president of Zimbabwe that died. He had a tenor. So tenor should not stand in the way of in the way of political freedom. No, all right, all right. Uh, why do you think uh, Nigerians are so are so ready to actually accept their servitude? You know, they know they they, are, they we have learned to actually swallow and not find find bitter. You know, when when I bought petrol for about uh uh 185 this year, 185 in, in, in at the filling station, and people were just like, you know, as long as it's available, we buy it. You know, why do you think we are so so ready to actually accept our servitude, you know. You can't blame Nigerians. These people have been pummeled for 60 years with all kinds of economic policies, political uh, systems. They've been pummeled by the military. They've been pummeled by the religious sector. They've been pummeled by even people they could trust, like labor leaders. They have they have trusted. You know, Nigerians are like a trusting wife who gets abused and abused and abused over the years. And then you are asking after he turns sixty why he doesn't divorce the husband. She's just probably there, like she's accepted a unacceptable reality. But don't also forget that in the middle of that, a lot of conversations are taking place. A lot of activities are taking place. Seismic activities that are not known to people who have taken this situation for granted. One of the signs of that was what you saw with NSAS. Well, NSAS to have lasted for two weeks, we will be talking about a different Nigeria today. So where did NSAS come from? Wherever it came from, there's still more. There. There's still more there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's actually a great thing, you know. Like people are, I think a lot of a, a very large, large proportion of of the pop, uh, the population is actually waking up, you know. And uh, I I I I want to actually give this credit, you know, to to the revolutionary movement, you know, because you've been talking about protest before the NSAS movement, and and I think to a very a very a very significant am- amount of of the move and the willingness to actually see we actually saw during dance protests actually to the fact that you have been you you know a, a part of it you know you have been talking about about the uh a, a protest you know that people should actually rise up and actually uh, determine their future and i hope in the in the in the in the coming future you know uh, uh we, we will be able to actually decide you know for ourselves at, at least the more majority you know, you know more, more like people in the east you not know, because you know there was the momentum wasn't uh wasn't high in the, in the northern part of nigeria and uh, and uh, uh it wasn't as as violent as it was in lagos and other and abuja and monolithic knot. The knot is not one religion, one tribe. Actually, 
and such protests did take place in Jos. And that is not our Nigeria. The follow-up to NSAS, if you remember, was the liberation of palliatives from those warehouses. The most intense of them took place in the north. Go and find out. In Adamawa State, after they discovered the palliatives to them, they came and removed the roof of the warehouse. And soldiers could not stop them. So, it took place everywhere. Of course, an attempt was made on the part of government to suppress information getting out of the north because you have to look at the information that was spreading based on internet concentration as well. A lot of the northern parts of Nigeria still don't have even uh, towers for for cell phone, uh, mobile tel- tel- telephone. So, but they're getting there. They're getting there. You'll be surprised how many people in the northern part of Nigeria are actually very much in need of liberation. Probably more than you think you do in the south. Yeah. Uh, okay, talking about uh, uh, <laughs> religion, you know, you went to court with uh, what it goes we call Dibia and and a priest, you know, like it's actually trained on online, you know, and and you know for someone hoping who actually ran for presidency you know i have to actually ask this first you know you, you understand that that isn't a very good it won't look good to a lot of christians you know like a lot of christians like this guy is is is, is blind did you do it for the satire or you actually you are you actually open to convey message i've always said and i'm an african without apology i wear Cowrie shells around my neck. I wear it without apology. I'm happy to be an African. I love being African. But beyond that, I'm also very saddened by the fact that Africans don't believe in themselves. They don't respect their culture, and that is part of what is killing Africa. Everything that is foreign to Africa or Africans is the dominant culture. Is a dominant tradition, is a dominant belief. So there was nothing new about going to court with an African dressed in an African attire. I had also been to the same court with a guy who's a pastor. He introduced himself to the magistrates, and the magistrate asked him to stay. I have been to court with a Muslim. I have a lot of Muslim friends, I have a lot of Christian friends, you know. So showing up in court now, why would Africa, that, that why would that have stood that it shouldn't have you know who should have exactly, just, yeah, exactly have stood that, yeah. to, is that Africans have Africans are lost a lot of Africans are lost they have lost their Africanness and there's nothing else I need to prove to people I've been to thirty countries around the world if you go to India people wear sharong. What do Yorubas call Bante? But you will never find an India castigate them or ridicule them or try to humiliate them. There are people they call sheikhs. Sheikhs. They wear, you know, uh, the, the turban over their head in India. Right? So why would it be a crime for an African to wear an African dress 
on African culture. Let's even assume it's Dibia. What is wrong with being a Dibia? Is anything wrong with it? Nothing. It's an African practicing his own belief. If you can accept Christianity and Islam, Islam is an Arabic you know, belief. That was Africans were open-minded enough to accept it. Christianity is a Roman belief. Anglo-Roman belief, culture. We accept it. There are people in this country who are who practice Jewish religion. <laughs> but when it comes to their own religion or their own people and their own culture, they hate it. And they demonize it because of what fella used to call colonial mentality. Yes. We, so I, I, I'm so happy though because I was watching public debate and opinion around it and the conversation. I think the younger generation of Africans or Nigerians have more open mind towards religion. Like it's, you know, they didn't go the route of the older, you know, Judeo-Christian uh, population who were like, oh, Shore is fetish. She brought Babalawo to court. Even the judge was like, oh, my God, you know. And it's like, look, you are lost, and we must find our way back to where we came from. Because that place is a place of strength. And I've always told people, I'm a Pan-Africanist. Uh, I, I, watched, I watched an interview of uh, a discussion uh, of uh, a discussion with uh, a Wallace Wayne car with some, and he was talking about if anyone would actually have religion, he should be the only religion, you know. That was what he was saying. He said, if anyone on this earth should have a good religion, like you know, that that it's, it's a religion that has never went to war on its own basis, you know. It mm. is, I, I think, in, to, some, to some extent, I'm not religious myself, you know, uh, to some extent, it is peaceful. But even more than more than Christianity, because you know, unremitting people won't come to you and come and knock on your door and say, uh, uh, believe in uh, some go or die or born in hell. They don't do that, you know. They just stay in their own house and and, and pray to whatever they believe in. And and but but others, you know. I think I think if anyone would, you know, like to some extent, I I don't I don't believe. I mean, religion, you know, right? if you live in a part of the world. And you have to defend your own clothes. You have to defend what you eat. You have to defend what you wear. You want to defend how you meditate. Then there's something wrong. There's, there's an African-wide problem of where our mental health has shifted. <laughs> religiously, speaking. <laughs> now, religiously speaking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, religiously speaking, you know. Uh... uh uh, uh, let's talk about uh, uh identity. You know how we, how we define ourselves. You know how do you think Nigerians define ourselves? I've been seeing a new wave of Africans generally, not not Nigerians. You know, uh, uh a new wave of of, of Pan Africanists online who actually who are the at every point of of talking about uh historical achievement of Africans. You know, and African African uh people. They use it in a way to actually retract or to actually underestimate the the achievement of of other races, you know. And like you know, they say, you no, know, it is not uh, the white people that actually build the longest wall in wall in Israel. Like, it's not the it's not Chinese that has the greatest wall of China. It is Nigerians, you know, like the Beni 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 Kingdom Wall. 
and they say uh this is the this is this 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 it is not the white people it's not the white people and i, I have seen some hatred you know among those people you know like you know for other other people of other races you know and and it has been it has been alchemized by a lot of people alchemized by a lot of people like uh alchemists of alchemist of it's online who are turning turning it into rage and and it is it's, what do you say to those people who can't who can't define themselves and, and they have to define themselves on the trade of other other racism well i i think uh, i don't see it as uh reverse racism a lot of people are looking for strength. You know, they are looking for identity. There's a whole lot of identity crisis out there. Yeah, yeah, in Africa. And uh, and people have become victims of being branded and identified by their same oppressors. Yeah. But the more subtle, you know, global oppressive system. Because they will look at you and say, oh, you belong to Generation X. Or, you know, you're this and that. But that's not who you are. You are way more than those Roman letters yeah. <laughs> with which they define you from time to time, you know, or some kind of symbol or sign. So it's forced a lot of Africans to look and say, look, where are we coming from? Where do we come from? Did we never produce or manufacture something before? And they go back into history and try to dust strength uh, and power. Pardon because so it's a form of empowerment like for them to be able to say, psychologically, yeah. And and say to you, look, we which are is true. Yeah, we are someone. Yeah, Benicidio was Africa. better than Amsterdam and when nah. the British came and when, destroyed yeah. the place. If you've been to Egypt, you see the kind of architectural designs there. It is, it is, the builders, the designers may have been non-blacks, but the builders were blacks. Yeah. But you know, there's that racism has been so well defined. That they refuse to give credit to the people who built. Yeah, they are. They are. The they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've, they've spoken about. They've, uh, they've spoken about history and recorded history through their own lens. You yes. know, by by so, actually looking looking down on us in a way. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a form of pushback, uh, yeah. but it has its own deficiency. Yeah. Because there's a need for a future, so you can't be stuck with the past perpetually. And we can't get anywhere ahead by engaging perpetually in blame game. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. So, it's the reason why I say to Africans, you know, uh, because I noticed this in the U.S. when I was when I first arrived in the U.S. They hated white oppression, but some black American activists were in love with uh, Mugabe. Because of Mugabe's rhetorics against uh, white racism. So, you have to understand that you must not allow this revolutionary thinking to create what I call revolutionary confusion to the point that you hate white oppressors but you start embracing black oppressors. Uh, which is one of the things that like Minister Louis Farrakhan did. Uh, at the point, he was very vibrant, fiery, firebrand, uh, black activist in the U.S. But at the point, he traveled around Africa and was embracing people like Abacha. At the time that Abacha was killing, killing, killing his people. own people, yes. yeah. So it's important that people have a full gamut of what needs to be said, to be done, and need to be understood in moving forward. And in moving forward, 
that you don't make the same mistake that our ancestors made, complacency. Well, what, what do you mean by complacency? I think there was a period, in my view, and I'm looking for that period in which Africans were complacent about their freedoms. Because uh, I keep asking myself internally, how could six people show up with a ship and transport 200 people for six months? And nothing happened. And they come back and over again, and they did it for 400 years. What happened to the African strength? Why wasn't an army that was resisting them on the ground? Why you know, did we just keep allowing that to happen? But you could ask the same question today because of this latent complacency. And ask yourself, why is it that a few guys in Abuja, why is that they able to hold to ransom 200 million people of which some 70 to 100 million are young people like yourself below the age of 30 or between 40 and below who could just wake up one day and say enough is enough and these guys will be jumping their fences. How could an army police DSS that's less than a million, all of them, hold to ransom 200 million people. It's the same question I keep asking. Uh, and the only explanation I could have is that there was some, something went missing somewhere. And I describe it as, as complacency. You know, maybe things they could have done proactively at that time they didn't do. Uh, but of course, you cannot also rule out internal sabotage from a lot of these traditional rulers. As part of reason, I don't have much respect for them. Because they, they, they colluded, they were complicit in, uh, in slavery. And, and they still do to today. The subjugation of our people always have some kind of traditional or religious authority involved in it. People will be killing you and your pastor will be asking you to pray. You know, But the pastor himself goes around with you know, like 12 policemen, and with AK-47, yeah. So, it's, something needs to be fixed about, about how we think about these things. And if earlier and faster, you know, earlier we do it, the better for everybody. Talking about Christianity, you know, which I'm very sure you've noticed a lot of in Nigeria, you know, what do you think is the most negative aspect of it, you know? Uh, I, I say it is ignorance, you know. Like, like they want to keep their members. It's not. It's not about Christian. It's religion. Religion, general, religion yeah. generally. It's religion is a tool for control of human mind. And they have done it in such a way that they have existed out of the boundaries of even state control, because religion or religious authorities are part of the state when they are powerful, and that is the reason why you see that when religious leaders have problems, they ask their members to help, to give them money, to pray for them, to give them support. But when the members have problems, they ask them to pray to God. <laughs> it goes on not to today, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was passing by, I was passing by a church on, uh, on. I was coming back from work and I, I was passing by a church on Monday morning and uh, and the pastor was uh, praying for his members and he was like you know and the members were thinking like who is like who is he's the one buying the, all the problems of their life you know and i was like no it is the pastor monday morning you are in church you know <laughs> it is it is, it is, yeah, it is it, it should be it should be a work you know like like 
For Monday morning, it's it's the pastor is behind your behind your problem. No, the, no, the no, let, me, let me give you my own experience. One day I went to get my passports renewed. I was just traveling in Nigeria. I went to Okoyi, the passports, the master passport passport office there. Started they were supposed to start work at eight AM. I was hearing noise on from one side I took I walked out. I said, What's going on here? Is full term church at eight AM for people who are supposed to be at work. And for as long as I was there, which was about an hour and a half, they were singing and praising, you know, that lasted. And I asked the guy who was with us, I said, who are these people? He said, they are workers. This is how they resume. They have to do religious service here. And on Friday, the Muslims would do the same thing. They would leave work at 10 a.m. or thereabout and go, and most of them don't come back. How do you expect productivity in a country where people resume to work first as church members and then when they are done with their own private, which is supposed to be private, they now start attending to people leisurely. This can't get done that way. You know? Can't get done that way. Isn't England and America the source of, you know, Anglo-Roman... Religion. and see they don't do it they don't resume to work how, how can you go to work <laughs> you can't find i don't think there is an american institution that i've been to before where the church is attached or its mosque is attached of course at the airport they can say look if you want to go and pray there's a prayer room somewhere but airport is for travel it's not for work so we got a lot of problems <laughs> I was I was speaking to Father Roma yesterday, you know, the founder of Wild Catholic Wild Catholic Church. You know, it's is I've, I've seen him before. Yeah, yeah some of his videos. videos. Yeah, he's very open-minded. And but we had this discussion, and they said, uh, uh, they talk, we we're talking about the origin of the human species and and evolution by natural selection, and it was like you know, science has never given us. Uh, evidence for macro evolution, you know, like the macro evolution of of moving from one species to another. Uh, uh, w- in your opinion, like you know, what wh- what do you think? Where do you think? What do you think explains our origin? Do you think religiously does it explain our origin or, or science? You know, I I think both of them haven't been able to deliver on that. But I will go on the side of science <laughs> more than I will go on the side of religion uh, because religion just said. Oh, you know, Christianity said two people were created. Uh, one person created, and then when he went asleep, you know, they tore a part of his rib. And then you go like five minutes later inside the Bible, when they had children, the children went out, and then they had a fallout. And one left in another direction and went and had a whole family. So that means there was a family. You understand? There was a family outside there that uh, that took care of that aspect. So the contradictions are very glaring, and, but nobody wants to discuss it because it will knock off, uh, it will knock the feet off of the argument about the origin of human beings. I think the explanation is trial and error on both sides. But like I said, a part of me will go on the science side first because science has proven a lot of things to be more true than religion to the point that religious leaders rely on science to live. Yeah. 
and to even carry out their activities, including flying. <laughs> no, no, no. That that's that's what I actually try to emphasize to people. You know, like you know, you like uh, to religiously does. I I was with a pastor and I asked him about about some questions, and you know, when I asked him. And he looked at me with disdain, and with, I've never seen that kind of hatred in my in, in anyone before, you know. And and uh, and you know, yeah, he, he told me we're coming back when it's time for the interview. He haven't. He won't. I, I'm very sure he won't. You know. Oh, well, I asked asked him questions about 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 our origin and and what about. I I I think it is deliberate deliberate. You know lying or or they just keeping the truth from people from their members. You know, like for example, a lot of when I was in secondary school. Yeah, science was actually kept away from me, you know, like like science in in tone form, in the spirit form, like. Well, you know, look, you explain it to yourself. Probably there are more translated versions of the Bible and Quran. Yeah. Uh huh. I have never found a Yoruba physics book. Chemistry, have you found? Biology, a Greek, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Greek yeah, 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 Greek. I've seen. So, but go to any hotel. There's a Bible waiting beside there for you. You know, or a Quran, depending on who the owner of the hotel is. So you just think, take a deep dive into your mind and say, why are religious texts freely available, and educational texts are not? That tells the story there. Somebody wants you to be religious, and they know that education might probably deprive you of, deprive them of the ability to control your mind. But religion lets gives them a free. It's, uh, it's more funded. Yes, it's well. Funded. It's well funded. It's well funded. Yeah, it's well funded. <laughs> one guy was saying it takes seventy million naira to translate the Bible. From you know, from English to, and I think they have over seventy-two languages that have been translated already. And nobody has translated computer science into any language in Nigeria since we discovered that computer is a life upon which is is a word upon which a life is anchored today. I see. I have a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of graduates. I I met a guy who graduated. Uh, civil engineering graduated, civil engineering, uh, and 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 he, he he actually holds an MSc, masters in civil engineering, OAU, and he, he if he told me, you know, I, I was shocked when he actually said it that, uh, 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 uh those who actually manufacture Toyota and other other machines and actually uses juju and and actually uses voodoo to actually manufacture manufacture uh computers and all that like it is which is which, which is inside, inside computers <laughs> you know you just look at how, how, how <laughs> i don't want to call it stupid and but but you know look that look at how that sounds you know like even at, at at the master's level you could still be a failure no matter your education no but there's a difference between literacy and education yeah you can be very literate and be ignorant And you mean you sometimes may not be literate and be very well educated, because yeah, uh, part of education is being open-minded. 
close-minded people never get educated, no matter how literate they are. You know, that's why you have PhD holders who are racists in the world. But you think about it too. Look at the church, for example, on a Sunday. I keep coming back to churches and where a PhD holder will carry the Bible to be interpreted to him by a guy who failed out of university. And the PhD holder is calling the wife of the pastor, mommy. That's a good one. No. It's, 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 you know, it's, that's, that's such a huge failure, you know, that's so it's, yeah, no. I've, I've, uh, no, like, like, I, I have another fish guy who is actually doing his PhD also. Who actually says stars falls all the time, like, you know, like, he's, he was talking about, not metaphorically, he was talking about the real star line, like, but doesn't know that the sun is also a star and it's, it's far larger than it, you know, and it, t- it talks about even when you graduate maybe from a science department, you know, how, how little you can actually know about about the world and how little you can actually know about where you are, even due to your... Because he, he has heard his pastor say, you know, stars fall and trips and people like astro- a- a- astrology in a way. Yeah, yeah. And he was actually well, pretty... Did you pastor say here in Nigeria, I saw it on Facebook, that uh, monkeys cannot climb banana trees. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that too. Anyway. <laughs> I saw that too. I thought I was Speaking about productivity, you know, uh, uh, let's talk about the the loan, the loan, the debt trap. You know, the debt trap China is actually setting for. It's not a Chinese thing. It's, yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah. It is not. It is not it's a, a global, China, global, global economy. Well, yeah. Um, yes. other other countries, no, but but yeah, but but other. You can just shift the microphone yeah. to the front, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but, oh, but China here in Africa right now. It's China, you know. It's not China. It's, it's, it's not China alone. No, it's not China alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. America, is, America doing is doing the same thing. Uh, in fact, there are private equity firms that is made up of Chinese, Americans, English, uh, that are here doing Indians. Yes, yeah, Indians like. are here also, yeah. Because, you know, this is a paradise for money doublers. They are here to make money. And, and they call us an impoverished country, but they come here to make money. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the rates, the ROI, you know, return, uh, the returns on investment, as they call it, is the highest for Nigerian bonds. Yeah. So when you hear the Nigerian government tell you they are going to raise money in euro bonds, in Europe markets, you know, what they call the euro bonds. Yeah. Within a short time, that bond is oversubscribed. You're asking yourself, what is the interest rate that Europeans want to buy into Nigerian bonds? It's because it has the highest interest rates. And they know where to get their money back from. When it's time to pay, they just go to England, Bank of England, and wait for the foreign reserve there. And they get paid quickly. China is looking to to spread its culture in in Africa, you know, like like a lot of uh, they, they, already, they they already do they already doing it. You know. Look, now, I, I majored in China because I, I'm I'm studying history, history well, of. It's also Asia. very important yeah. that you don't fall into the propaganda by the West. Yeah, they are, it's They're just China. Yeah, China. demonizing yeah, China. Yeah, China, 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 China. Yeah, they use that to cover up their own for their own. Yeah, which are still around. They use that to cover up what their oil companies are doing. What, you know, Americans and 
the British, uh, the West in general, Italians, uh, Spanish, you know, or Spaniards as they call them, they they started slavery. They started exploration of resources. They used to, they still take from us aluminum, oil, uranium, gold, copper, bauxite, coltan. I think we yeah, are making cell phones. Yeah, in Congo. So, don't just make and some of the companies that they claim are Chinese owned, some of them are jointly owned by Americans. And by American, Chinese American Chinese. Because the Chinese businessmen, businessmen that have the money right now. So look at the boards of these companies. They are jointly owned in a lot of places by Americans and the Chinese. But they make it points about demonizing China to you. They make it sound like, oh, you know, China doesn't care, we care. All of them don't care about you. And that's why they invest in helping us legs idiots as our leaders exactly like yeah i i watched a, a, a an interview that i, I think it was aired by the zero that, that said uh the the campaign manager of Bari was actually from from the years or so yeah 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 uh, I, I, I i just watched it i didn't save the video yet, but i i i it's, it's, i don't quite yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and they they were they were they were furious when they they claimed that Russia actually interfered with their own election, but in they interfere in other people's election, you know. They do that. They, not only, I mean, they used to plan yeah, a few coups, yeah, coups in Africa. Yeah, the Americans, Belgians, and I think um, the British mm. killed Lumumba. In the Congo. Since then, Congo and, has not had and, peace. Uh, uh, and peace. Who, who, who do you think can actually the stop? French <laughs> impose a lot of idiots on the continent of Africa. They still do it in today. The, they still do it today, yeah. Yes. French currency is still the standard for currencies in a lot of... A lot of how could anyone, someone in, Afri- someone in Africa countries. be speaking French, you know? Like the Congo. They are, the first language well, is French. That is disastrous. But we speak English. You speak English. Is this the same now? It's the same which which economic economic system do you think is the best? Capitalism, socialism, communism. Which do you think is is the best? You know that, that could actually work. Uh, or democratic socialism. Or uh, I've I've heard a lot of you know, socialist movement. I've seen a lot of socialist movement online in Nigeria. Uh, which do you think which do you think would work better? You know, and we actually tap into into the human capital, the, the human human ability. You know why I keep calling for a revolution? It's for people to determine for themselves what economic system is the best. I am not into all these labels, right? I have told people before that after 20 years in America, sometimes I feel like the U.S. practices even more socialism than some of these so-called socialist countries because of their welfare system. But some many people will disagree with me. In fact, they will come at me. When I said it, they came at me. You know, they will call you names. You are imperialist agents. You know, all this kind of stuff. No. I'm a welfareist. And an economic system that promotes the welfare of the people. That does not put profit above life or comfort. Is where my thinking starts from. 
But I also don't want to impose upon a community of 200 million people what is best for them when they are sufficiently enamored, educated, solid, and conscious enough to say, look, this is how we want to go. Because apparently capitalism has failed. Yeah, capitalism is failing, yes. yeah. It's failing even the even the first countries, yeah. yeah. The, countries the gap between the, the gap between the rich and the poor is getting wider, so even in Korea. You cannot say to me that oh capitalism works because it doesn't. It's not it's not working for even the people who originated it. But the extreme forms of communism as well, where we go back to nineteen you know, the days of Karmax, may also not apply here completely. So, let the people decide <laughs> at the appropriate time. Uh, uh, who, who, who do you think you would particularly hold responsible? Respons- like, you know, I'm not, not the blame game, but who do you think you would particularly hold responsible for the pain? You know, we are going through a lot of pain, Africans, you know, we are going through a lot of pain right now. Economic, economically, psychologically, even, you know. So, who do you think you would hold responsible for that? For the pain we're going through, is um, there's enough blame for go around. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> blame for the colonialists, the slave masters. You know, my own generational blame is for people of my time, the internet colonialists, mm-hmm. blacks like myself, mm-hmm. who are in some cases even more brutal than the people who handed over power to them. So, but this generation, our generation, will you blame uh, us for not acting enough? No, no, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I like I, that, you know. Yeah, that, that's no. I don't spare this generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they look. When I was a student leader, if I had WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, we would have shortened military rule the lifespan of military rule by less than five years. Wow. Because these are powerful mobilization tools. Yeah, it is. It is for Snapchat these days. Yes, <laughs> it is for Snapchat and, and Instagram these days, yes. and you just. So, but now we have all these tools today, mm-hmm. and it's as if they have led to a new form of paralysis. Yeah, people are stuck to their screen. Yeah, uh, and they are stuck to their screen now. It's sad. So, who do you blame for that? I blame us for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 this is this is very important, you know. Like, you, like I want, to, I want to actually uh, like converse on an intimate level. What do you think is is the meaning of life? You know, like the meaning, the meaning of life. It's you see, I don't want to go too psychological about life. Mm. I understand life as something that is ephemeral and has a tenure. But nobody knows the tenor of their own life except probably those who take their own lives. Exactly. <laughs> those who take your own lives, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can say, well, you're going to die at 7 a.m. tomorrow. And, uh, you uh, and, and you actually do it. But for the rest, the majority, we don't. So my attitude to life, therefore, is you take life one day at a time. But life must have meaning, it must have impact. It must have virtues. Or virtue, it must have value. 
out of, out of happiness what? like what do you think makes iman happy you know at the end of the day you know happiness is um is relative mm. yes to me i think there's superficial happiness the one that can be induced or the one you can form yeah. and there's real happiness which comes from a place of fulfillment and that kind of happiness even when you're in pain you will be happy mm. it's yeah, happened yeah, to yeah. me before i was in the university and one day i was physically attacked and i thought i would die but inside of me i was happy to die for something you know something you that know. i've always believed in mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, happiness is what i think is real happiness uh, do, do, do you think it's it's includes includes some amount of suffering and actually suffering for something that is actually actually taking on responsibilities for something that is actually uh worthwhile something that you actually in the long term you can actually say well a lot of people think life is meaningless. You know, when you go through some things, even some people, even that actually has money, actually think that life has no meaning. You know. Well, there's there's, there's difference between money and life. Mm. You know, I actually think that when people are wealthy, their lives could be pretty miserable because most people pursue wealth for the sake of the internal conviction that wealth or money can buy everything. Yeah. And I think when they get to a point where they discover that it can't. It can't. Then they become more miserable. Yeah. I can imagine being a billionaire and you are diagnosed of a disease and doctors tell you there's nothing you can do about it. You look at the doctor like, what do you mean? When you can't do this one. How about death? You know, are you are, are you are you are you afraid of death? No. You've made your peace with it. You won't even know about it. That's just it. You know? a leveler mm. you know and you don't ever have to explain to anybody how and why you died you just turn to what in science is called matter yeah yeah to matter yeah it's it's part of you will become liquid mm. gas solids and you enrich the environment <laughs> you exactly you enrich the environment <laughs> Uh, what what would be your advice? Thanks for watching. I want to leave you with a quote by Etienne de Alapuethi. He's a French philosopher. He said in his essay, The Discourse, Discourse on Voluntary Servitude, that we learn to swallow and not find bitter the venom of servitude. Just like the ancient Mithridates, when they want to habituate themselves or create some uh, immunity to poison, or they take it little by little. And we Nigerians have habituated ourselves to suffering. Bears born in cages do not miss, miss flying. They think flying is a disease. That is why Buhari, a single man, or whatever it is, 
can actually hold millions of people, 200 million people who can actually tomorrow, tomorrow actually wake up and actually decide that this is the end to their suffering. If if we haven't habituated ourselves ourselves to suffering, what could be the answer? Connect with me on Instagram. Connect with me on Twitter. Paranormal DBK. Subscribe on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up on Spotify and YouTube. Thank you.